Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. Lots of change has marked the last two years at Dentsu. A reevaluation of operations in 2022 kicked off a restructuring at the Japanese parent company that saw it eliminate the role of the international chief executive, the departure of several executives, and the dissolution of creative agencies Dentsu MB, 360i, and Isobarb. Since then, the network has brought together its two subsidiaries, Dentsu International and Dentsu Japan, as one operation. Chief Executive and President of Dentsu Group, Inc., Hiroshi Irigashi, has taken control of all four of Dentsu's regions globally. And the creative shops that previously operated individually have come together under one flag, Dentsu Creative. Instrumental to the shift is Dentsu Creative U.S. CEO, Abby Klassen, who stepped into her current role in November 2023, transitioning from President of New York. Before her appointment, she helped to build Dentsu Creative, which launched in 2022. Now, she is tasked with leading creative talent and direction in the U.S. In this episode, Klassen chats about her transition to U.S. CEO, her vision for Dentsu Creative in 2024, and what areas she is particularly focused on building. I'm Sabrina Sanchez, creative editor at Campaign U.S., and this is Campaign Chemistry. Abby, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to have you on for the first podcast of the year. How are you? I love it. I love kicking off the year, Um, and I'm terrific. I had a wonderful break over the holidays and great night's sleep last night, and I'm really looking forward to 2024. That's awesome. What'd you do for the holidays? How was your How was your New Year's? Oh, it was fantastic. Thank you for asking. Um, I went to New Orleans, actually, for my birthday, which is December 30th, Ooh. and then New Year's Eve the next day. So, you know, New Orleans is a is just an amazing city. It's a city that, you know, I have a lot of heart for. Um, I did not grow up there, but they've been a client for a long time. And, um, you know, I just think it's such a wonderfully creative and entrepreneurial place. And, you know, you always you always learn something new when you're there and you meet some interesting folks. And, and we had a wonderful time. That's amazing. Well, happy belated birthday. Thank and you. Happy New yeah. Year. Yeah, yes, exactly. How was your break? It was amazing. Um, I actually got to be together with loved ones this year, <gasps> which... What a special treat. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, I was I was just telling Bill, our podcast producer, that... I can't remember the last time I did that. So it's very nice to be sort of back to normal, right? Our new normal. Our new normal. But I know that I I came back with a fresh mind, rejuvenated. I'm excited to take on the year. I'm sure you are too. Absolutely. And so I'm happy to jump into that today. I would love to talk to you about, you know, your goals at Dentsu Creative and all of that good stuff. But I wanted to start with looking a little bit at the past, right? We have to do that. We're going to look ahead at the new year. You started in the role of U.S. CEO at Dentsu Creative in November 2023 after serving as president of the New York office. So talk about what the last few months have been like regarding the transition. Is there any overlap with your role as president? How has that experience influenced your leadership style at the national level? What can you tell us about your role coming into 2024? Well, first of all, I am super excited about this role, and I'm so excited and incredibly optimistic about what the future holds in this role and for Dentsu Creative in the U.S. Um, I have been actually with Dentsu for nine years, and um, I think the importance we are placing on creativity right now is really significant. 
the role I was doing previously, I had a counterpart, Laurel Flat. So she and I essentially divided the client leadership landscape. So divided the clients and the revenue responsibilities within Dentsu Creative US. As I got moved into this role, Laurel was also elevated into a chief client officer role, which is brilliant for her because she is probably the best client leader I've ever met. I mean, she's just fantastic at it. It's She came up in this business through that. So when you ask how things be different, of course, there is a different level of responsibility, you know, being the CEO and, and kind of the buck stopping with you on a lot mm-hmm. of things that maybe previously it didn't, it didn't necessarily stop. Uh, but I do think um, between Laurel and I, we will continue to share a lot of the responsibilities around clients, around making sure that you know we are driving um, the work that we do forward. And the thing that won't change is I will continue to be very, very involved in client work and with our clients. And that's the thing that I love about this industry and one of the reasons that, you know, that I'm in it. So I would be really heartbroken if that were to change and it's and it's not going to. And I think the other thing I will say is we're a leadership team where everybody is really involved in clients. If we're not doing that, then I don't know what we're here for. Because at the end of the day, we are here to make a difference for clients and creativity is the means with how we do that. But, you know, whether it's Rafa Rizzuto or US and LATAM chief creative officer or Pedro Perez, who leads creative out of Chicago or Jamie Shuttleworth and Shauna Ross, who lead, you know, um, strategy, Phil Gorin as our business strategy officer, Ed Cesera, head of production, you know, we're all in it with clients. None of us are in these sort of like ivory pedestal roles where we kind of sit above the work that we do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad that you brought up your your history with Dentsu because, you know, Dentsu Creative is, I guess, kind of new still, right? It's like just completed its first year. Um, That's yeah, yes. entering the second year. And you were part of the team that helped build Dentsu Creative in 2022. And, you know, That's since right. then, we've seen a lot of leadership changes with the departure of Wendy Clark, Fred Levron, uh, Paolo Fogaccia. And of course, that came with the restructure at the global level, you know, out of Japan. So now that you're in this U.S. post, what is your vision for Dentsu Creative in 2024 and beyond? You know, what areas are you particularly focused on building and do you feel like you have your leadership team and structure in place now? So I'm going to answer that, but I'm going to go, I'm just going to rewind just slightly and talk a little bit about the why, the why we pulled uh, all the agencies together to create this powerhouse brand, Dentsu Creative. Um, and it started really at the end of 2020. And uh, we were built, Dentsu Creative was built to challenge the industry and challenge a lot of the norms and frankly, false choices that we didn't think clients should have to make. And I saw this challenge for clients all the time, by the way, in my time covering the industry as a journalist. Mm. So I knew we needed to have some sort of a different offer for clients. And those false choices led to questions like, do I want to be an agency that's great at brand? Or do I want an agency that understands how to drive and capture demand? Or why is advertising and PR always so separate? You know, Um, I think, you know, can't all the ways that a person experiences the many facets of a brand be just as good at brand building as buying a Super Bowl spot? And I think maybe the most important one is shouldn't creativity fuel business strategy? And I think, you know, we were losing some of that in this industry as there was a lot of bifurcation and breaking up capabilities. And so three years ago, we brought 10 agencies who on their own were experts in very critical elements of the marketing ecosystem, whether that's brand building 
or digital and social, brand design, experiential, digital experience. You know, we had earned an influencer and PR, multicultural, scaled production, all of that. And we brought all of those together into a single organization under a single leadership team with a single PL. And really a shared belief that modern creativity is an unfair advantage that can solve big brand challenges and fuel business growth. And so that was really some very hard work that we uh, that we worked on through 2021, 2022. Um, and, and again, like a lot of that is stuff people will never see. Things like how do we come together around a single P&L? That's really hard work. And... Um, and a lot of times, I think when you see these kind of like, okay, super groups coming together of, you know, different various agencies, the hard work gets pushed to the end and you're still running off a million different P&Ls. And so you have a promise, but it's really hard to realize that promise. What we did was say, we're going to tackle the hardest stuff first, which is we're going to make sure there is nothing standing in our way to be able to, you know, address a client challenge. And so that you know, really a couple of years was very much focused on that. And then in 2022, middle of 2022 at Cannes, we introduced it as a single brand of Dentsu Creative. Mm -hmm. And so the promise of Dentsu Creative and what I'm excited about next year is, or this year, I should say, is it <laughs> gives, you know, we can give large and complex clients who need the ease and simplicity of one place they can go who truly understands their business while being able to tap into all of these best-in-class expertise and specialisms, um, we can be that place. And what that means, it is a truly client-centric approach. So I always use the analogy, you know, to a hammer, everything's a nail, right? Mm -hmm. We're not a hammer. Like, we have all the different tools that we need to solve a client challenge. And so we see every client challenge as unique and can pull together the right people to address it. And the last thing I'll add is, I'm really excited for our people in this new world of Dentsu Creative because I think, you know, it just opens up such a world of possibilities. And the and I, I guess I use analogies a lot. The other analogy I would often reference when we were doing all this work and bringing all these agencies together is, you know, everybody came from their own kind of like restaurant or kitchen or whatever, and you had you know, like I came from 360i into Dentsu Creative and I had the 360i cupboard <laughs> of ingredients I could work with. And, you know, we were making some great recipes with those ingredients. And then suddenly it was like, wow, I have a commercial kit. I have like every, anything I could ever want. And, you know, it is, that should be a really exciting thing for anybody who wants to go far in this industry and who wants to kind of think bigger, invent new solutions, invent new recipes, um, to really beat the heck out of that analogy. Um, and so that's what I'm excited about for our people um, and for our clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, to your point, you know, the creation of Dentsu Creative and the reorganization of Dentsu in general, which kicked off in 2020, it definitely falls in line with our coverage um, that shows that clients are looking for simplicity, specialization, consolidation. And at least, you know, anecdotally from my reporting, that's what I've found is that agencies that have that have withstood this test of time, right? We're seeing a lot of um, layoffs. We're seeing a lot of restructuring and things um, in the industry as a whole. And the ones that are standing strong are the ones that are consolidated and, and, and break down these silos. So how has Dental Creative's new operating structure helped the agency simplify thing for, things for clients if you have like more specific examples? And sure. where has it caused confusion, if at all? 
So I'll start with the um, simplification. So, um, you know, by bringing together all of these capabilities, we've been able to really focus on um, uh, for clients, helping them find success all the way up and down the funnel. So, you know, we are great. We bring an incredible heritage at creating big brand platforms or big organizing ideas, if you will, okay. for clients that guide decisions. Um, but, you know, those platforms can't just be that. So we also bring more of a strategic consultant lens. How do we how do we leverage kind of brand-led consulting to help clients understand how can they run through every experience that that consumers have with them, run that through this brand lens and help innovate on those and make sure it all ladders up to what the promise of the brand is, what the big organizing idea is. Um, you know, we bring uh, tremendous capability in social and um, and digital. And so being able to, and actually it's in 2024 getting even stronger because we're integrating into Dentsu Creative, the performance creative capabilities that mm. previously is that in some disparate parts of Dentsu and media and CXM. And so you think about in that um, scenario, you know, it's not, I think we often talk about performance marketing sort of like, um, you know, like catching the big brand idea and, and informing that. But I also think there's a lot of things you can learn through performance marketing that then you can feed up and reinforce some of the bigger upper funnel advertising. So it's how do these things make each other better? And then there's the mid funnel too. So, you know, one of my clients, um, Zara Narani at Burger King says a lot, sales overnight, brand over time. You know, we are truly capable at doing that. And it could be something like, you know, with Burger King, the the call, which is uh, something we did around Halloween with right. them to promote their ghost ghost pepper um, chicken, and it was like you know ghost pepper fries. And so you you essentially um, you know we're using a really interesting kind of film as a vehicle to get people interested, a digital film. But at the end, there was an interactive component where you could give your phone number and you'd get like a surprise kind of phantom phone call from you know, Burger King. And it was a delightful experience, like a truly delightful experience. But by the way, not just reinforce the brand because of the creative quality and output, but also started to gather information and data for the clients. Mm -hmm. So that would be an example of one where it's like, you know, when we bring all these things together, you can accomplish multiple priorities and it doesn't have to be an or, it can be an and. Mm -hmm. That's a great example. Um, I really enjoyed that example, especially the phone call, right? Because it's such a Delightful experience, it, but you have to enter your phone number to your point. And Sabrina, funny story. So our account leader who leads Burger King, I was in a meeting with her um, in the office, like a one-on-one. And all of a sudden her phone rings in the meeting. And she's like, oh, it's Burger King. I better answer. It's a client call, you know? And she answers it and she got the phone call, the call, <laughs> you know? And she just started dying in the meeting. And uh, we were laughing about it. Like if, if, like if this was, we literally were able to like, surprise and delight the person who leads the account with this experience. She knew it was coming, you know? Right. So kind of like a, a fun example of when, when you do something well, when the craft is really great, um, you can really break through. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great example. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, kind of on the same note, building and maintaining client relationships is crucial for any agency. And, you know, as Dentsu Creative settles into its new structure, that is going to be the challenge at hand as you continue to prove that this new model works. So how are you ensuring client satisfaction and attracting new business as a new-ish entity, right? Like we talked about. And what do clients want from 
their creative agency or you today? Clients want to know that an agency is invested in them. That's really important. And that shows through the people and it shows through the work. Clients also want to make sure that the work is working and that's also equally as critical. And so I often think about that as like, it's the effectiveness, it's the quality of the output, you know, but it's also about the experience they're having with an agency. And so, um, you know, a lot of what we've been doing on the back end is creating, um, organizing ourselves so that clients have an easier experience with the agency. Um, we, I mentioned earlier as a management team, as a leadership team are very involved in client business. You know, I, in fact, I was writing down, um, some of my, my goals for the year. And, you know, one of my goals had to do with like, how do I make sure I get to know some of the new clients that maybe I hadn't known yet because I hadn't been in this role and get to know them to the point we always say like, are you on a texting basis? Can you text them? Can they text you when something's wrong? That's a really good proxy for having the kind of relationship I think agencies need to have with clients. Um, we do some formal things, you know, we have different agency client, um, report cards or scorecards. Sometimes that's led by clients who have a very specific way they like to conduct that. We also, three times a year, we will essentially survey our clients, almost like a net promoter type score. Mm -hmm. And that's something that our, our management team sees. And so we're able to say, okay, you know, we're seeing a theme. We need to make sure we shore up, you know, whatever that theme is we're seeing. Or um, maybe there's something emerging on a specific client that we ordinarily maybe wouldn't have noticed, you know, and it's coming to us through this anonymous survey because sometimes people will say things anonymously that they won't say to your face, you know? And exactly. so, so we we have a, a number of mechanisms to make sure that clients are satisfied. At the end of the day, I think maybe one of the greatest... Uh, gauges of that is uh, retention, but also organic growth. Because if a client is willing to entrust more of their marketing to you, that is a great sign. And that's been, you know, we've had not, I will, I will say over the last like 2021, 2022 have not been great new business years. I think we've been way too internally focused on getting our own house in order with this reorganization. But what they've been great at is client retention and organic growth, which proves to me that this model is something clients want and it's working. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is what areas of growth do you see for Dental Creative in 2024? What are some things that you feel like you can start to build and strengthen in the new year? Well, first of all, I think you're going to hear a lot more from us okay. uh, as we've been sort of heads down, kind of fo again, focus on our own house over the last few years. This is the year we're really going to start to make some more noise in the market. And so I'm excited for that. Um, and, uh, and, and a couple areas specifically that I'm excited for. Um, I think, you know, we're always, we've always been a digital and social powerhouse and we will continue to do that. Again, the uh, addition of the performance marketing capabilities, literally 200 people who are great at performance marketing and all aspects of it coming into the Dentsu creative fold, plus the historical traditional strength in social that we've had through legacy 360i uh, talent and, and capability. Um, so we will continue to focus there. But I think where we're going to see the most growth over the next year is in a couple of areas. Um, first of all, I think we're going to see bigger, more complex clients coming to us and asking us for help. Um, 
there's very few agencies who can offer the breadth of capabilities that we are able to offer today. Very few. And I think that's a unique advantage. And especially if we attack every problem by asking what is the right combination of capabilities we need to bring to be able to solve this brand and business problem. And that may or may not be advertising, by the way. Um, Often includes advertising, but that is not mandatory. You know, we have a lot of other capabilities that we can tap into, whether it is, you know, experiential or digital experiences or, you know, communications, external or internal, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I think that's going to be a, a, an area of growth. Clients coming to us with these kind of bigger, more complex, need a lot of different expertises to solve what they need solved. And we're a uniquely qualified place that they can come for that. The second area is a little bit more emerging, um, but we're seeing more and more clients asking us for this and, and we're building up our capabilities here, which is around you know, really that like brand and business consulting space. And that falls out often from when we're working with a client to create that big organizing idea, you know, what is this brand about? Mm-hmm. And you know, the natural place you start to express that is in your marketing and communications, but then you start to look through every other facet of experience a consumer has with your, your brand and business. And you start to say, are they feeling this positioning from us in that space? We work with a a large uh, financial services company. And I remember when we, um, you know, there's a great story about how, when we introduced a new uh, big organizing idea for them, one of the places that the bulk of their uh, communications was happening was in collection notices. And it's sort of like, well, how would we be asking? How would we be, what what would we be saying in these if we ran it through our new organizing idea? And it changed the way that, you know, that, that they sent out or, you know, tried to help people who, who, who were in their collections. Um, And so I think there's a, You know, there's a very interesting world in which agencies can think about creativity as a business lever and not only as a communications tool, as an advertising tool. That's that's a really interesting example. Um, Just thinking about, you know, how do you frame the rest of your brand and all the other communications aspects in the lens of this platform or this messaging? Speaking of making more noise, I'm curious to hear about any other recent work um, that you've done that you're proud of, how does that set the tone for 2024? And what else can we expect to see? Also, by the way, anything for the Super Bowl? <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, we have a couple of pieces of work that are, well, one just broke on New Year's. We're doing uh some work around um, Disney resorts, which you can see out there now. It's a beautiful piece of work, and mm-hmm. I would I would point folks to it. I think the other uh, the other piece of work that I'm really excited for, and I'll just pique people's interest, is for Crayola, which is for any creative agency a dream brand because it is all about creativity and the power of creativity. And so we're doing a really special piece of work that will launch in the coming months for Crayola. And I would say stay tuned for that. And it really is about, you know, how do we make sure that, you know, as 
as we grow, as people grow, a lot of times this spark of creativity and imagination that we had as kids, you know, uh, can go away. And how do we make sure that we are retaining that? And that's never been more important than the world we're in today. So I'm very, very excited about that. And other recent work that, you know, I'm really proud of, I think, uh, we did a great uh, campaign for Slurpee over the summer. That's a, a brand in and of its own right, but that uh, you traditionally associate with 7-Eleven. And Slurpee was sort of, it was all about like joyous kind of free expression. Um, we did a great piece of work for Oreo this past year, Oreo Super Mario uh, collaboration, uh, which really gamified Oreos in a way that was very true to Super Mario. Um, we've got another collaboration coming in 2024, not with Super Mario, but uh, for Oreo, which we're excited about. And I think when I look at all of those pieces of work and I think about what they have in common, um, I think they are kind of like they fall in that space of joy and play and wonder. And from a human insights perspective, you know, there's all this concern around the world today, politically, environmentally, financially. I think people feel very anxious. They don't feel in control. And so I think from an insights perspective, that's a very powerful place for brands to be. And optimism is sorely needed in this world and not blind optimism, but, you know, what is the role your brand can play in bringing a little bit of brightness and joy? And so, um, you know, that would be a kind of a theme that I see and even as I'm just talking to you about work that we've been excited to produce and work that's coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. We saw a lot of levity at the end of last year, and I think we're going to continue to see that playfulness. Um, so I just want to reiterate anything for Super Bowl, <laughs> anything for Super Bowl. Uh, we don't have any TV spots in Super Bowl. We're helping some of our clients um, uh, who have ads in the game, you know, surround sound it. So okay. um, we do some experiential work for, you know, uh, folks who might be on the ground at the Super Bowl. So it's kind of the stuff you're not necessarily going to see by looking at the TV screen, but we know is equally as important to making the most of that enormous investment. Right. Well, Campaign US is interested either way. So All right. you know where we'll to talk. find me. Awesome. So um, I want to talk a, lot, a little bit about something you mentioned earlier in the conversation that you also have had experience observing the industry from the outside as editor-in-chief at AdAge, which brings a very interesting light to the way that you see the industry and that you see your role. So how does this experience shape your perspective as an agency leader now? And how does that inform the way that you tell Dentsu's creative story? So I always joke, uh, journalism was like the first chapter of my career, the first third of my career. I don't know what the, th the third third will be, but I'm in the <laughs> second chapter of it right now. And, um, and you know, I, I love, I loved journalism. I still love journalism. And by the way, I just think it's so critical right now in this era of so much purposeful and nefarious disinformation uh, for strong and trusted journalism brands. Um, and, you know, sadly, I think it's, it's becoming a more challenged industry. And so, you know, I think I just encourage everybody listening to this to support your industry, you know, industry journalism, trade journalism brands, because it is really important for every industry to have a voice that is both highlighting the positive things, but also calling out things that we need to improve on as an industry. So, um, but I, you know, 
there are certain things that you learn as a journalist that I found I could sort of reframe as I entered this new world of agencies. Curiosity. Journalists are great at asking questions. Um, (laughs) Really good at listening. And more importantly, even than listening, I think sometimes is like seeking to understand. And I think that is a totally um, underrated trait. And by the way, one that I don't think AIs will be able to replicate. Um, AIs know a lot. I'm not sure how much, you know, they understand. There's like a gap there still in understanding and logic. So, um, so I think that's a really critical and important skill. Um, I think, you know, journalists learn to work fast, um, and learn fast. And I think speed and, and the ability to pick things up quickly, but also kind of like synthesize things quickly and a bias toward action is super important. And that's something that we learn as journalists. I mean, you know, maybe 30 years ago, people were writing what, like one story a week or one story every two (laughs) weeks. I mean, by the time I left at age, it was like one a day, you know, like we were just moving and grooving. And that's, I think, you know, a lot of people I've heard who've left journalism and gone into other fields have been surprised at like the pace of other fields that they've gone into. You know, I think I was really lucky because I went into, um, well, I went into Dentsu in a corporate strategy role from my time at AdAge, but then relatively quickly, nine months later, ended up at an agency 360i, which was just, I mean, we we moved with a lot of pace. We were a digital social agency. We prided ourselves on on speed. I mean, this is the agent, this was the agency that, you know, dunked the dunked in the dark, right? Like mm-hmm. so, so I think for me, I didn't have that frustration. But the fact that I was you know, used to working in the kind of high met- high metabolism of journalism was really helpful for me uh, in agencies. And I think, you know, I was actually, it's funny, I always think I was a better editor than I was a reporter when I was a journalist. Um, Interesting. And I think one of the things that I've learned about myself is that I am better if I have a starting place and I can help shape something. And I really love like making the people around me better. And I think that's a real editor's skill that has served me well as I've gotten into more management positions in agencies. Yeah. It's so interesting to hear about your background because, um, you know, you kind of have that inside look to the industry and how we cover it. Um, And so obviously, you know, that that'll help you shape how you put out your messaging and to your point, you know, you learn quickly, you think quickly, and it's not just about asking questions, but knowing the right questions to ask. That's right. So, um, yeah. You don't have to know it all. As a journalist, like we rarely, you know, it, our whole job was in some ways to not know things and to find them out. Right. And so, right. you know, it's, it's, I think that's important. And, um, and the other thing I will say is, and I referenced this earlier, you're going to hear a lot more from Densu Creative this year. I do think from just a, a PR and communication standpoint, we've been a little bit quieter. And again, not for a bad reason, because we've been really focused on our internal organization and setting up this, you know, this agency, which to your point is almost like a new agency, but, you know, not, start, but scaled, not starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. And so, um, this will be the year where I think we'll have a lot to talk about and really share our story. And I'm hopeful that my experience having been on the other side of the table will be helpful as we craft that story. Absolutely. Well, you're off to a good start because this is the first, uh, if you will, editorial piece coming out about Denso Creative. So that's exciting. And I'm glad that Campaign US is is first in, on the list. Um, 
But, you know, that kind of brings me to my final question, which is what predictions do you have, if any, for the advertising industry in 2024? What are you expecting, looking forward to um, just things that you're keeping an eye on? Sure. I'll share two, um, maybe three, but I kind of already covered on one of them, which was, I do think we'll continue to your point, seeing more of that kind of joy and, you know, more of that, that spirit of play and optimism, uh, coming through in the stories we tell, because I think people really need it. They need that to balance out some of what's happening in the real world. Um, and again, it has to be done with sensitivity. Uh, but, but I think it's important. I think, you know, another area we're going to be very, very focused on is making sure we're connecting the efforts we're doing uh, in, you know, advertising and beyond the the impact of creativity to the business and to brand. So that's going to be a huge area of focus for us. Uh, it's critically important to our clients. I actually think it's critically important to the future of this industry. Uh, and so that's going to be um, a really, a really important uh, area of focus for us over the next year. And then the third prediction I will make is, you know, I think this is going to be such a year of, um, I guess, learning and expansion in terms of how we think about AI. I swear half the predictions you ask people to make over the next <laughs> year include AI. There's no doubt it is, um, it is going to revolutionize marketing. And, you know, I was listening to another podcast, the Hard Fork podcast, that Salm Altman interview on Hard mm. Fork, obviously the CEO of OpenAI. And I loved, he said, you know, what, what you can't do in a lab is understand how society will co-evolve along with AI, the way it is evolving, how people are learning to use it. And I think that's super true for the advertising industry. And I think what we're going to find is, you know, first of all, there's two kinds of AI and it's going to evolve in different, each of those will evolve in different ways. So, you know, non-generative AI, AI for productivity, everything from things like, you know, um, you know, capturing information, stuff like that, you know, dis distilling large um, data sets of insights, uh, you know, um, and then to generative AI, which will be like, you know, can you make a, everything from like make a slide, <laughs> <laughs> to how we mock up storyboards and comps and things that used to take a few hours to do something pretty simple can be done in a few minutes. And the really important thing is that creates more room for people to do the creative thinking part of the job, because um, I don't think AIs will be able to do that for quite some time. Um, I've seen strategists use it to create stimulus for thinking. And so when it comes to gener generative AI, my prediction over the next year is that it will help us accelerate learning and creation, mm -hmm. but it will not be able to learn or create for us yet. So it will be a tool that agencies will leverage, you know, in the course of how they present ideas and even some sparks for ideation, um, but it will not be able to bring you know, to, to ideate or bring great ideas to life yet. Right. I think that is, that continues to be something that is uniquely human. And um, I'm excited to see how it evolves to Sam Altman's point. You know, you, you can't predict it in a lab. So our, our strategy for that is let's experiment, let's play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely feels like the dot-com boom, you know, um, and just evolving with the internet. Now we're evolving with AI it is a very monumental piece of technology. So we will see what happens from here. But 
That is all from me for you, Abby. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. I think this is a great conversation to start off the year. I look forward to seeing what comes out of Dentu Creative and anything else that you can share with me as we go along. But thanks again. It's been great. It's been a total pleasure and a wonderful start to the year for me as well. So thanks. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening to Campaign Chemistry. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and head to campaignlive.com for all the latest news on advertising and marketing. 